Pam Ochoa, I have a question for you, and my question today is a very simple one, which is off air, okay? You were telling me about a lesson that has been going really well, and you had some some great student products to talk about. You even brought up something about newspapers. I don't know. I was like, we got to get this on the podcast. Let other people bask in your glory. Last episode, we talked about my experiences with a lesson that was going decently well. So it's your turn to start off the show. So what is this lesson? Tell us all about it to start off Craft and Draft. Well, I think the last time we talked, we were talking about, well, I... I let y'all know that I was actually doing the outsiders with my team. So we're doing the outsiders. But um, one of the things that uh, my team wanted to do is they wanted to do kind of imitate what happens in the outsiders with the, you know, with the news reporters and how they're reporting there about how the kids were heroes. And so thus the original assignment was, you know, write an article that explains how the, kids are heroes well you know how I am I like choice and I like to see what the kids are going to do with something so I tried to open it a little bit more so I opened it up by um gave them well taught them reporters formula which they already knew because they taught they learned that years ago but I just kind of reminded them a little refresh and then um actually they I didn't teach it to them they kind of told me you know I said what is it they told me what it was we clarified. But anyway, then they uh, I told them that what I wanted them to do is they could pick any event in the book, any event, it didn't matter what it was, any event rather than just that one moment in the book. So they could pick any event and then they could pick any section in the newspaper. And that's where the kids go. They, they go, huh? Because guess what we don't read anymore? <laughs> they don't read newspapers. They know of them, though, but they don't read them. So it was like, well, that was kind of eye-opening because, you know, how can I do an assignment and they don't really know what I'm talking about? So then the lesson took a little twist there, and uh, we started looking up newspapers and what are the sections of newspapers. And, uh, and so we looked and identified what some of the articles were about and things like that. What was the, uh, you know, uh, I don't know. We even found an old newspaper that had um, shipping details, like a shipping notice. Okay, so anyway, and I'll be daggum if one of my students wanted to do a shipping notice. Now tell me, I said, choose an event, and she wants to do a shipping notice. And I'm trying to figure this out. So she goes, I really want to do the shipping notice. And I went, well, okay, so what do you have in mind? Because I, you know, is there a part? And she goes, well, you know, remember when Johnny brought the supplies? And I said, well, okay then. So what is it? What do you think it should sound like? And so then she went and looked up some shipping notices and she made it sound like just in. And it listed all the supplies that were listed in the uh, in the book. And then she says, Johnny brought them in. It looks like they're going to be using them in order to stay hidden for a while. You know, so, I mean, the way she did it, it really did sound like a shipping notice. So I had some choose um, real estate. The church burned down. So uh, so now that real estate is open. And then, and then by talking about the real estate, they... You know, they ended up talking about what happened and why that that real estate area is now open for sale and uh, looking for buyers. I had one do a missing persons notice, and um, and then some did. I you know, because I thought they would all just do like the main feature, you know, like a feature article or I mean the the front page article. You know, kids are now heroes, which I th- some of I had one or two that did did that. But it was just kind of fascinating for the when I opened it wide up. I even had one choose an obituary, and it was the obituary of uh, Pony Boy and and Dally's parents and that accident. And it talked about how they left three kids alone and da da. And I mean, so it was just kind of fascinating. I mean, the, I said any event. When I said any event, I had to take the obituary. I mean, I had to take. But that's not where I thought that it would go. I mean, I. So my so I, that's one of the reasons why I like having the kids choose, and I try to, 
even though the actual original assignment was kind of narrow. And if you start there, that's fine. But then try to figure out a way to open it wide open. And I just, I just had the best time reading, reading all the different uh, angles that the kids took. Um, anyway, kind of cool. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, this is Crafted Draft. We try all kinds of things in our own classrooms. That's why you should listen to us a little bit more because we're real teachers just like you. doesn't mean we have all the answers, but it means we know that we're speaking from the same place. My name is Jacob Chastain. That's Pam Ochoa. We have a combined, I don't know how many years, just so many years of teaching experience, mostly the Mocho because she's the veteran amongst us, but we love what we do. We love talking. I just told. <laughs> we love talking about reading, writing, workshop, and everything in between. Today, we are talking about providing feedback to students uh, and maybe even receiving feedback from other people and or giving feedback to our colleagues. So we'll see where this conversation goes, but it's guaranteed to be a meandering, wonderful one. So stick around, ladies and gentlemen. We're about to get to it. Alrighty, real quick, as we're jumping into this, I have to ask you, so when when they're doing all of the the different uh, products and they're starting to get all these different ideas, what types of feedback did you give them to guide them in the right direction? Did you have a general idea if you wanted them to go or... What was mm-hmm. how did how did you get basically them to do some of these more uh, amazing things that they did? Well, some of the feedback was student driven because they had questions for clarification, like the you know we don't even know. I mean, it didn't take me very long to figure out they had no idea what some of the sections are in a newspaper. So the first feedback I had to give them was, I mean, it just changed the lesson. So that was one. And then when they were individually writing it, I had one, some of them asked me some technical questions. Like I noticed, cause I let them look up newspapers, you know, like look up examples. And so I had a student come up and she said, Mr. Cha, I want to make mine look like an actual newspaper, but I don't know how to make columns. So some of them were just technical columns and then others were about the meaning like how do I go about making it sound like a newspaper and so we read a few articles not a few articles but we read like the beginnings of a few and then uh, from there they they started making it sound like that but you can really hear their voice I was really surprised by how they sounded like actual reporters when it was all done and and the news and the, the pages that they did, uh, actually look like newspapers, some of them. I mean, they even included pictures we'd looked at. Uh, what were the elements? Some of them go, I don't even know what goes in a newspaper article. So we looked at uh, bylines and, you know, the the subtitles and the subheadings and all that stuff. So the, the actual lesson wasn't me mapping out exactly what I wanted to do. So honestly, I didn't have, uh, I just wanted to see what they would do with this. I just knew that what I originally wanted them to do was not, not actually let me just clarify i was using somebody's lesson which is fine there was nothing wrong with that lesson but it wasn't the way i wanted to go i wanted i didn't want to pigeonhole them into one story where i'm reading the same story so i think the reason they needed feedback is because i opened it up so and always refer them back to what does a reporter sound like what does the reporter do what are some questions that you need to know in order to do what you have to do I don't know. Did I help you? Yeah. I mean, I think this is kind of where workshop lives, right? Because we, Mm -hmm. there's really not an end goal all the time in what they want to do. You know, we might be studying poetry or teaching an essay format or something like that, but uh, you and I both, I think, take the approach of, you know, if they do something a little different, it's not bad. Um, and matter of fact, we tend to get a little excited when things are a little different and, you know, and we have, we have a little bit different constraints on how we handle that in our classrooms, but I know in mine, I really do just encourage like the weirder, the better, like the more experimental, like if you want to write 500 poems over the next week, let's do it. And then let's combine them into something weird. Um, I have a lot of students have just, uh, they've, they've come to embrace that, uh, for the most part, you know, kids still look at me and go, Chastain, I don't know what to write about, Chastain, I don't know what to do, blah, blah, blah. But because of this, the feedback loop I have with my students, um, it, 
I, I tend to, uh, I, I'm more likely to encourage them to do something a little different. And I, essentially that's what you're talking about with your assignment though, is you kind of set out on a course, but then just left it wide open enough to where you can, you know, it, it the, what they do isn't really so contingent on the final product as is, uh, kind of what they decide, you know what I mean? So you like you, mm-hmm. you gave them a freedom and then you were like, well, let's see where this goes. So I think the next logical question for you, uh, and maybe some of the audience is already asking this question is, so how on earth, what, what were grades like at this? You know, we always, we've mentioned that before is that everyone always mentions, well, how do you get grades with something like that? If there's no guaranteed end product. So what was your grading process like with, with something so open? Well, I mean, my parameters were it had to be something you would find in a newspaper. So um gave you credit that way. The more it sounded, you know, like if they used the reporters for me, if I could hear the who, the what, the when, the where, and how, and why, especially the why. I mean, I really wanted to focus on the why because I think the why is is the heart of the message, so to speak. And so I think if I could read that. so. Just a rubric on does it, you know, I don't know. How about I don't know? I just looked at it and loved it. <laughs> Let's just go there. <laughs> I kind of took the Laura Rob approach. I don't want to put a grade on it. I just want to like say, yay. <laughs> and then, you know, what she I, said one time we were talking to her, she didn't want to, she just, she could just, if the kids were just right, she'd just be happy. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. And I I think that's a good point to make is, you know, it's, I don't know. I know I asked that I'm the person who asked the question in the first place, but it's because I know other people are going to ask the question, but I think, but I, you know, but even before you got to that, I don't know. I think you said something that was important for people to kind of realize that if they're struggling to, you know, maybe they have a little bit more pressure on grades or something like that to where they have to make ends meet, so to speak, your initial goal of it needs to be something that can theoretically be seen in a newspaper. That's so broad, right? Like it's it's so mm-hmm. broad that it it basically allows so much freedom, but at the same time, it it, it puts it puts a mild barrier around what they do. You know, there's a great quote. I always I forget who said it, but it's someone. Um, Someone had on the Teacher podcast a while ago. Uh, might have been Stacy Schubitz, maybe not. But mm-hmm. she had said something along the lines of uh, infinite freedom um, or infinite choice is no choice at all for kids. Um, they need some type of barrier, but that doesn't mean restrict it to where you're controlling everything. And I think that's the the line you drew right there, which was, hey, it needs to be in the newspaper. Other than that. Have fun, and I that it's 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 such it sounds so simple, but really, like that is a master class of giving choice, freedom, but then still putting enough parameters around there to where uh, there there's still a, a a concrete focus, and I think that is that's a useful tool for people to kind of run with. Did you have did your kids struggle? You said obviously they didn't know really know what newspapers look like anymore. And yeah, that was the, only the biggest ones struggle. So how did you how did you uh, get over that? Did you hand them newspapers? Did y'all look them up? What was that process like? We looked them up because you know in COVID time we we really don't do paper at my school, and so, um, I mean I like doing what you're doing. It's just well, you know we got hit pretty hard with COVID, so passing yeah. papers back and forth. Um, was kind of a little bit frowned upon. So, so we pretty much looked them up and like, I would, I would put my, um, pro my computer. Hello. I can't think of a sudden my projector on freeze. And then I would look it up cause you never know what you're going to find. So I made sure that I searched, I did the searching right there in front of them. And then I would, when I found what I wanted, I, I unfroze my, um, would you call that defrosting my, would that be de- <laughs> would that be defrosting my projector <laughs> since I froze it? Anyway, I'm just playing around now. Yeah, see, I do stuff that. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, but I opened it back up and then so we showed them two. I showed them two, and then I had some two sites that showed the different sections of newspapers, and some of them were uh, an ancestry type um, 
you know, how to learn more about your ancestors. And it was like 14 different uh, sections of the newspaper that would give you information about ancestors, which is where we found the shipping notice. And so the, and uh, so that was kind of interesting, but um, yeah, I, but I think what hung me up or what hung the kids up more than anything was how to, how to make it sound like a newspaper article. So then from there we would, once I found the pieces of it, then I would go and find an actual newspaper article. And then we looked at some of them. So like if it talked about um, an editorial or an, you know, then we would look it up, and so then I would read to it. And so it kind of give them the sound of what it would sound like, things like that. So that's kind of what we did. And then as the students had ended, I got them busy as fast as I could. And I said, if you have any questions, then make sure that you come on up here, and I'll be more than happy to help you. And so then they would, uh, because I always offer feedback, with my students and an opportunity for them to come and ask me questions and have conferencing. It's nothing for them to just, you know, it's pretty fluid. I mean, they just come up as they need to and I just help them as they need to. Yeah. And I, uh, I, I like that. It's a, a really authentic way to introduce different text, right? Cause you know, newspapers, even though, newspapers themselves are kind of extinct. You know, you see them in like Walgreens or whatever, but like the majority of people mm-hmm. don't read them anymore. They, you know, they exist digitally still, you know, you get a lot of people mm-hmm. subscribe to them on their iPads or whatever, but you know, the editorial style of writing is very much alive. You know, it exists in a mm-hmm. bunch of different forms. And even though I would argue that the majority of editorialized pieces today are just dis- the disguised opinion pieces, right? <laughs> We can well, do a whole yeah. episode on sure. why why the real journalism mm-hmm. has kind of died over the last decade or so, <laughs> just for the sake of clickbait and uh, social media posts. But um, it's still good to be able to read with that, and you know, like I think some of the, the one of the most essential Donald Graves lessons I ever got was, you know, what kids can write, they can read better. So even attempting to write something that sounds like an editorial or sounds like a type of informational piece that you could get from a newspaper, I think, I mean, there's just infinite value in that because, you know, I would, I think you could argue really well that one of the best and underdeveloped skills we give kids is the ability to interact with real nonfiction text. You know, we, you know, I think every English teacher prints off, you know, news ELA or news Ella articles and we pull stuff like that. You know, some people use times for kids and everything like that, but that that's not really real articles in the way that like the casual stuff you see on like Facebook and Twitter and uh-huh. stuff like that uh-huh. exists. Those are much more different. So I, I think that even though that wasn't your focus, like I think you're setting groundwork for uh, them to be able to interact with stuff like that. So I have to ask though. So back on the feedback thing, when you're uh, working with them, did you talk about language at all? What did you find that you were giving most feedback on? Were there were there common themes in what you had to say to them, or was it really just a case by case basis? It was almost a case by case basis, and that and the reason I say that, it's because I think it was so open, and every one of them wanted to do something different from somebody else. So there was kind of, I think it was kind of fascinating in that in that sense. But one of the things that they wanted to know is, can I add to the story? Can I bring in a character? Like, can I be a part? Can I put myself into the story, and interview somebody? And I said. Well, I don't know. Let's just depend. You got to stay true to the story. But let's see. So uh, that brought up a, a thought. One of my students brought in um, a 911 call from a neighbor that found the boy in the park. And so she actually pulled in. And so now you're looking at synthesis. So she actually created a 911 call. Yeah, we found him. He was stabbed in the park. Um, we can't have our neighborhood doing this. I need, and she, she actually did and did the 911 call. 911 
what's your emergency? And then she inserted that and said, because of privacy, that's all we can tell you. But we're looking for blah, 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 you know. And so it was just kind of a fascinating way that they did it. So I think mainly was creative license is what most of them, I think, would be the common theme. How creative can I get with this? And I think that was, some of them got creative with pictures, um, burned down churches, things like that, where they would insert. So, but I just felt like they had, it just kind of energized and it just had a lot of fun. And I think it's because of the choice. And then the feedback was more, I think it, to me, the feedback was more of permission for them to do the things that, that they wanted to do. Because they would ask, you know, can I? And then, but I would give them parameters. Like like if I said, well, you can't just create a new story. You have to stay within the story that you hear. So if you create somebody, it could be like maybe a neighbor that, you know, that's complaining about all the ruckus going on, you know, so you could do that or, you know, but you you have to maintain the story. You got to keep stay true to the story. Well, and I... Th- you said something there that I feel like is quotable repeatedly with, you know, it's the feedback is, uh, something that you offer that it, that it, it's giving permission. Right. Like, I feel right. like that, mm-hmm. that we think of feedback so much as critique. And I think this is mm-hmm. probably the most important point that we could make on this topic at all, <laughs> which is, right. The feedback isn't, it, it can be critique, but that is, that is one section of the feedback pie. You know, there's, there's feedback as permission. There's feedback as in compliments. There's feedback as in kind of workshopping through a piece, you know, talking about mm-hmm. what works, what doesn't in the form of, you know, uh, pointing abdo strategy or something like that. And right. I think as a as a teacher, specifically in middle school, and I think that, I mean, it goes without saying that a lot of our advice comes from the perspective of middle school teachers because that's what we do. But mm-hmm. I think in middle school, it's so much because it's such a unique age of kids. You know, they're growing up, they're realizing the world that's around them. Some of them have had to realize it faster, and some of them are in different places and they all have different perspectives and different life experiences and culture and all this other stuff. And what that allows them to do is allows them to explore a lot of things. But one thing's kids, uh, reject the most is freedom because they don't believe they have it. Right. We spend all like kids go through school being told they have freedom to do this freedom, but they really don't. So over the years, they learn that they don't have freedom, right? They learn that there really isn't freedom in choice. It's just kind of an illusion. So when they get a teacher like you or I or someone else uh, kind of in this workshop format that genuinely wants them to have freedom and offer that freedom to them and give them time to explore topics and uh, play with language and play with structure and all of that stuff. It, it, they rejected it at first, but that, I feel like some of that feedback, like you said, is no, like you, this is your, this is your go mm-hmm. ahead, you know? And one of the concepts I talk about a lot and I've talked about in some talks that I've done is not worrying about like what kids say, like language wise. And I know everyone, mm-hmm. I, I know I, I get pushed back on this a little bit because people, you know, school, school, you should have certain language. But I'm like, you know, I, I, I care so much more about not necessarily like kids using bad words, so to say, but using words in a way that's effective, right? Like, you know, right. if you're going to, if you're going to put, you know, <laughs> let's go extreme. If you're going to put the F bomb in something, for instance, you got to really own that that word needs to be in that piece. And sometimes it does, right? Like sometimes right. language, sometimes certain words can only mean what those words mean. However, one of my jobs as an educator is like, okay, just because you say it 90 times in the hallway on the way to my classroom doesn't mean that it is the most effective thing to use in your piece. So what words can work there? But that that freedom, and obviously that freedom probably opens up even more once you get to high school, but just giving permission to use language, to not really be so worried about, oh my God, there's an educator over my shoulder uh, reading this or anything like that. I really do think it leads to... You know, I think the fear when you give permission to push outside the boundaries of quote unquote school, I think the fear is, 
you know, kids, kids will automatically go to the bad. They will automatically go to like, you know, the, the naughty list of education or, or push boundaries in a way to like, you know, skirt the, the trails of getting in trouble. But really what I've experienced over the last several years of really being open is kids are really smart and they, yeah, they make bad decisions sometimes, but the majority of the time when you give them choice, they they really want to write about what is affecting them. They're very self-centered, so a lot of it is from their perspective. And you demonstrated that perfectly of them asking, can they put themselves in the story or whatever? Right. I think I think that goes without saying that middle schools just do that in general. But when you give that permission, I think kids rise to that occasion when they really believe they have permission to be free with their words, their ideas, and be able to explore without really any repercussions. You know, I I think the fear that they're going to do something wrong isn't the fear that we should have. I think that's I think that's overplayed and it makes sense. Adults are very cautious. You know, we're also very cautious of our jobs. You know, the last thing we want to be mm-hmm. doing is to be on featured on Fox News because some kid did something and their parent got mad and <laughs> it went all the way to the top. But I think that if you're talking with kids enough, that extreme circumstance can be mitigated almost to not even really have to worry about it. You know, obviously there are circum there are different changes and circumstances and you have to be aware of the the type of students and parents that you're working with, but I think just giving that permission I think is invaluable. Well, yeah, because not too long ago there was a few that opened it up so wide that I did have like two kids that they kind of went on the I love guns and let's all shoot everybody up. And they wanted to read it out loud. Well, to everybody. I had that too. It was like, and it was like when we, um, I mean, when we worked together, remember uh, my student, he, he was a gun lover and it was just, the, it, it's where he lived, right? He was a hunter. Right. Like they, that's what they that's did. Like for they, people, for listeners who might be in like LA or like New York or something <laughs> like that, like, Texas, like, yeah, I mean, Texas is like, I mean, we're, (laughs) we're suburban, like we're not in the country, but a lot of our constituents and students and parents, like, you know, they, they hunt deer regularly. They, they, guns are, guns are life, you know, that, that they really loved them. Mm -hmm. And I had a student just like that. Yeah. And they could tell you all about it. They can tell you. And then they're, then they're more like, do you ever shoot guns, Miss Ochoa? And it's like, uh, Yeah. (laughs) When my husband was alive, I did. <laughs> I know they're always the one so thing We did, but they're like, "What?" I said, "Yeah, I mean, I, I've got a pretty good, you know, I can center it pretty well. I've got it, you know, those kinds of things." But no, it's, but yeah, that kind of made me nervous for a second, and then I, I had to kind of say, "Okay, that's not really where I wanted this to go." I'm really kind of surprised that it went here. Um, I tell you, but instead of saying you can't do it, I just said, let's just not go further than what you've just gone. So if you want to describe or explain how the gun works, that's okay. But if you're going to take it and move it to a level that I could not support because of my principal getting involved, then I, I, you know, if your grandma's not going to like it, I just appreciate it if you don't do it. And, but I, I didn't, I didn't like completely take that topic away from them. I just kind of, you know, kind of put it down a little bit because I knew that we were, when they were wanting to share that it kind of got a little nervous. I mean, I got a little nervous just because these, they just got excited and got carried on. And then the next person, now they're starting to create stories in their brain rather than already have it written on paper. Can I share too? Can I share too? So yeah, those moments happen even to me, but you know, you just kind of have to follow your guidelines of your district and, you know, I mean, there's still guidelines there. So you just have to make sure, like you said, just don't get yourself on any kind of situation and make sure, you know, sometimes like that, I'll go, I'm just going to let you know this happened. And this is what the kid talked about to my principal before. I always, you know, I'm always good at telling on myself way before, like if I, I think there might be a phone call, I just go and tell the principal, look, this is what happened. Uh, nothing was intended. Just want to give you a heads up. But very rarely have I had I've never had anything that's gone beyond that, really, 
to my knowledge. Well, I've had I've had kids, GT kids that wanted to read books at from the high school. We even loaned books out from mm-hmm. there. And I just said, well, I don't mind you doing that, but I need to call your parents first to make sure they know that that's what you're doing. So as long as I'm in the up and up with all the other people who might get a little disturbed by it, then uh, I think it's gone okay. But anyway, I, you were going to say something. I, well, I... I the gun thing is really fascinating. I think that's like such a prime example because guns are mm-hmm. so, you know, you know, they're politicized and, you know, for right. obvious and not so obvious reasons. But like there is a culture, you know, I guess it depends on who you teach. But like there's it's funny because if like if Southern teachers are listening to this, they're probably like, yeah, I get it. Like our kids talk about uh, guns. No but like, <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, it really is oh, yeah. like I grew up like I grew up like my dad. Like we went out to the lake and we shot pistols and shotguns and snipers oh, yeah. like that. I mean, I grew up doing that stuff and it's so funny because, you know, I, it's not, you know, it's built into the American culture. And I know that people feel a certain way about that and they have, you know, various beliefs. We're going to get to that here, but, you know, as an educator, when we're meeting kids where they are, um, I feel like. It, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. If, well, I, I'll say this and I'll see if it really derails us. I don't think it will. But the, the, the idea that the educator's political leanings could influence student choice and in, in, in non-harmful writing really disturbs me a little bit. Like I, I, I value choice so much that, you know, I want kids to be able to explore something. And I think that on both sides, right, I think that a really bright leaning educator could control uh, something a student could write about the same way a really left leaning educator could control student writing and, and limit what they want to talk about. And I think that, you know, I think our district specifically does a good job at communicating like, Hey, you know, some of these conversations need to be, you know, in social studies, but the majority of them don't like our job is to facilitate conversation for kids to find out where they stand, not for us to force our own right. agendas. And I, I think that in a, in a writing workshop classroom where you, you know, this ties directly into the feedback loop because mm-hmm. I could crush a kid's exploration of ideas. Like I think the, if the writing workshop is anything, it's a place to, explore complicated ideas. And, you know, it might not even mean that they believe what they believe, right? They might be exploring what their parents believe, or maybe they're, they're playing with ideas they're doing. I mean, think of all the crazy crap you believed as a teenager, you know what I mean? Or like an Mm -hmm. adolescent, Mm -hmm. like to, to, to limit their choices based on your political leanings. And there's, uh, I think I'm so passionate about this specific topic because there's so many educators, you know, on Instagram and Twitter and stuff like that, who, you know, they, they talk about like their, they, they, they basically lay the line of, you know, teaching is political. And I agree. And I disagree to a certain extent. I think that the moment you are influencing a student and what they're speaking about or writing about because of your personal, uh, political leanings. I think that's when you're, you're, you're on the borderline of, uh, pedagogical malpractice. You're, you're using your influence in negative ways. And, you know, for people that know me, like I'm, I love politics. They're my sports, right? People love, you know, I like baseball, but people like watch the Super Bowl and stuff like that, the debates and stuff. Like I chart down the debates, I chart down the arguments, you know, and, uh, mm-hmm. I have a lot of friends who agree and disagree with me about politics because I love them so much under no circumstance. Do I bring that reality to my students? Because I have very passionate beliefs about certain things, uh, but it's not my place. And I, that I think that that's a hard line to walk because if a student, let's say, let's say you have, let's bring out the gun thing again, just because that's what we were talking about. If you have a teacher who is vastly anti-gun, anti-second amendment, whatever, and a student like the mind that I had on our, our old campus, right? He's writing about right. guns. He loves them. Like he loves rifles. Well, that's kind of how these two were. Yeah, exactly. Right. They're hunters. They're, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they might have family that is hunters or whatever. They, they know rifles. They can tell you the brand, the barrel, all that stuff. Right. You, Cause it seemed like they're, even their, their dads were collectors. So, I mean, they yeah. really knew all these different guns. Mm-hmm. So you, you get a teacher who might be anti all of that without any nuance to the situation 
And I, the, I think the worst thing that can happen is the teacher just puts a, an absolute cap on it. Now, what you did is, you know, you walk the line, you know what, what's appropriate, what's not. You know, kids can be mm-hmm. kids. They can take things to extremes without being malicious. They're just kids. They, they say stupid things all the time. Well, they just got excited. Yeah. And I, but, but to the point that it might derail the whole day. So I had to be careful. <laughs> exactly. Well, and that's, again, this is the, the fine line of what we're talking about. Cause this could happen with anything. Like let's, let's pivot away from guns for a second. So I had a student who like, uh, I had several students last year, for instance, that talked about like depression and suicide. So I had to walk the line yeah, that's of, another one. is this, is this something they're researching? Is this getting into self-harm territory? Is this becoming, uh, is this becoming more dangerous than it is that? And that's the thing because they might've had a, like on, uh, I had once, so two sides of the same coin, right? I had one student who wrote about it all the time. We ended up working with my counselors. We ended up intervening, uh, in a way that, you know, w- probably would have saved her life. That it was, it was a very intense moment, but it only happened because of that freedom. But it also happened because I was aware of, Oh, this is, getting borderline into another area. On the other side, I had a student who uh, lost uh, a relative to suicide. So they were writing about it from that angle, right? So I have to be aware of my students. I have to be aware of what they need, aware of why they're doing something, communicate and give feedback in a way that allows the feedback loop of, okay, I say something, you say something, I say something, you say something to facilitate a great conversation. Now, as a professional, I can decide, okay, is this crossing a line? Am I worried? Is it going somewhere else? And I, that, that is why, like, you know, we talk about choice and we talk about all of this stuff, but everything we talked about, there is, you have to always be on your game and understand, understand your students, understand where they're coming from, because without context or nuance, you might, I mean, you could find yourself in precarious situations. Well, you can. And, you know, I, when, your suicide has come across. I mean, those types of topics have come over the years, and I've even lost students to suicide, and I've even had to speak at their funerals and different things like that over the over the years. But um, yeah, I mean, they can really get. I mean, if we if we squelch them to the point that they have no voice whatsoever, then there are a few of them I might not have been able to help over the years. But I let them know in my feedback, if I have something like that and they're crossing the line, that is where I say, we have a counselor that deals with these things. Are you at the point where you need to talk to her? Because I'm going to let you know that I'm concerned about this piece, not because it's a bad piece and I'm okay with you doing this, but I'm concerned about you. Are you okay if I go into, and I'm going to let you know that it's my job to keep you safe. So I'm going to let her know about this. Do you mind if I have a copy of it? And so I do stuff like that. And uh, I think we've, we've, uh, like you said, diverted a few things uh, because of it. So you do, I think the feedback does, or having opportunities in the classroom where we conference and give feedback, um, I, I think it makes a difference in the, in the kids. I think it, I think this is where our words can, if you will, speak life or not. And I think it's that important uh, for, uh, you know, when we give this feedback to the students, no matter what the topic is. And even if it's just something that's like funny or something that's kind of nonsensical, I mean, I think that's also just as important. Um, I, I go back in my own times, mainly in math, to be honest, but I, I think my most negative feedback was in a math class. And I still remember it, and I was a fourth grader, and I'll never forget it. And it it was not in a way that was, I think, beneficial to me, and I shut down. And uh, it took me a while to overcome it. And that was it was math, but it was over. I just messed up on a problem. And uh, but because of the way the teacher went, oh come on! I mean, it's just the just the tone. And I go back, and she really didn't say anything bad, but it was the tone, like she was frustrated probably because she had been working on this concept. I probably should have had it, but I didn't get it. And I could hear her frustration and I'll always remember it. I even remember her name and it's not for a positive reason. And uh, I didn't kill me, but I mean, there are times that, I mean, 
there is a lot of weight um, that we have on our shoulders and responsibility and accountability when it comes to feedback and how we deliver it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's so funny because this, the concept of talking with kids and diving into their words and stuff, you know, there is, I, I think, that, you know, this is why we talk about like, you know, don't mark up a student's paper with red pen and, you know, don't let, you know, the, let them own their paper, you know, ask for permission to read what they read. And a lot of that, you know, I think a lot of that can sound really like fluff and really not valuable, but if you really consider how, if you consider what we're really trying to do in the classroom, you know, if we're trying to empower voice, if we're trying to get kids to use their voice for a variety of purposes and really own what they're trying to say, the moment we decide to rob them of that by controlling what they say, limiting what they say, uh, being too aggressive in our responses, right? I think a lot of that can lead to negative consequences that last forever. And, you know, like, I mean, how many, like, uh, how many adults do you know who don't like school and they can specifically talk about one teacher that ruined it for them? Let's <laughs> like, see. <laughs> <laughs> Me? What? No, I, t- I love school. <laughs> I know, but, but like I, I have, I have so many friends who mm-hmm. actually like despise school. Like they can't even imagine that I would love my job so much. So like, why? Mm-hmm. Like you're, you're the evil person, Chastain. Like you're the guy who I would mm-hmm. have hated in school. And I'm like, I don't, I don't think that's true because I spend so much time talking to a variety of students and listening to their lives and stuff like that. But it allows me to help them decide you know, really what matters to them. You know, I think to say that every one of my kids jumps into writing workshop and writes amazing pieces, that's a lie. That's not true. I've never said that. But I will say that every single one of my kids, by the time that they're done in my classroom, understands a little bit more about what they care about, what they're willing to voice, and maybe have some skills on how to do that. And I think that's that this is where we're talking beyond grades. We're talking beyond standards. Mm-hmm. We're talking beyond uh, standardized test scores, and we're talking about the purpose in the classroom. And to, I mean, workshop is, I think, is wrapped up and really driven by this entire feedback loop of talking to kids, listening to them, guiding them, and then being a responsible enough adult to know where a line is, where to kind of keep them focused. But that's, you know, if we're talking about lines, you know, uh, people like me, I hate lines, right? I love pushing boundaries and, you know, uh, people tell me not to do something. I immediately want to do it. And, uh, I, one of the things that I love to do is when I'm talking to students, I don't, when I, when I talk about like, you know, teaching them where lines are, I teach them, in, if you're writing in a genre, for instance, you don't want to break too many rules of the genre because you're going to you're going to pop someone out of focus about what you're trying to say. Right. So right. you you don't want to play too outside the lines and you can push the lines and you can blend the lines in unique ways. But you have to learn the rules first. Right. You have to learn how do I say this and then be able to do that. And I think this the feedback loop, you know, if kids just had a constant stable feedback loop, I think throughout their entire education, they would be unstoppable. You know what I mean? Like they would literally be unstoppable. And I I don't even think they need that though, before people become discouraged. Like, you know, I think one strong teacher can be the game changer for a lot of my kids, which is why, you know, I've had my kids for two years. I'm at the point, I know I'm probably not going to teach them next year. (laughs) They keep wanting me to go up to eighth grade. I'm like, it's probably not going to happen. Just the way the school works. Yeah. But I tell them, I keep going, I'm like, look, you will not have me again. Like Chastain, like our our era is done, but you got to keep going. Like you can't let, you know, you're going to have good teachers, you're going to have bad teachers. It's just the way the the cookie crumbles. But you need to Mm -hmm. be an advocate for yourself, be an advocate for your voice and know what you want to say. And there's going to be people that appreciate it and people that don't. But there's people that appreciate my voice today and there's people that don't. Like (laughs) – I have plenty of people that don't want to hear any more words from Chastain, but that's that's how it goes. It in mm-hmm. I feel like this is an interesting point uh, for young kids because 
they're so focused on likes and shares and follows and social media and stuff like that. So if they're putting their stuff out there, they might have a, a, a distorted view. You know, it's like, oh, I didn't get a million likes on what I said. I need to change what I say. It's not true. Like, not everyone is designed uh, – to to have a million followers. I've always said that like I'm weird. Like I'm really unique and I have unique interest and I don't I don't believe for a second like teach me teacher is the biggest thing I've ever done. I have no idea why it is. It just is and I just keep trying to capitalize on it. But other than <laughs> that, like I most people, you know, I I don't think I'll ever explode the way that it is because I'm unique, but you can still I think embracing that uniqueness, you know, maybe you'll have a billion people follow you and maybe you'll have 100, but I I think it's valuable. Maybe you'll have one. Yeah, that's true too. Like it's a wild, I I think that's a valuable lesson for kids to know though. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's okay. I was going to go back to something you had said about uh, taking it away. I, I can't remember exactly how you worded it, but I, it's important to know when you are taking your feedback away from the kids. One of the things I told you earlier on that lesson I did, uh, there was a girl that wanted to do a shipping notice. Now, believe you me, just because we saw that shipping notice on that, uh, you know, when I pulled up, you know, the different sections of an article that was not in my brain. I was thinking more on the editorial or the, you know, the, the sports, whatever, or, you know, other kind of articles. But anyway, she was insistent that she wanted to do that. So she sits down with me. And as I remembered, she was like, I don't know where to start exactly. And I almost made the mistake. And you could tell, I, I really made the mistake of starting out to tell her, what her topic could be with it. And it was not, I could tell real fast. She really already had in her mind what she wanted. And so I I said, you know what? This is your paper. It's not mine. You tell me what you wanted to start with. I mean, what did you have in mind when you chose shipping notice? And then from there, yeah, I was leading her in the wrong direction. So I had to, I had to, I mean, I stopped like in mid-sentence. And in my mind, I'm like, you're taking her down. You're, you're putting too much of you in this. You've got to pull, you got to get her thinking. So I had, I did have to shift gears in the middle of that feedback because I was about to make it my story and it was not my story. It's her story to tell. And I think sometimes you're not trying to be mean or anything. I mean, I was trying to help, but I definitely was taking off with the wrong foot. So I had to pull my foot back. So I think that's something we have to uh, be careful of as well. So, well, and I, uh, I walked that line too, you know, a lot of kids, you know, they value our conferences and, and love it. And sometimes, you know, I love writing with them and sometimes I'll offer a line for them to use or a, a revision of a line and stuff like that. But they, they sometimes they'll, they would cling to me if I let them, they would let me write their entire piece and then claim it as their own. If I really right. let them and that's, that's a unique uh, skill set as well is knowing when to when to offer solutions, but when to kind of step back and let them, you know, flounder. Like I think the, the, we're so worried about kids floundering and not working every minute of the day. And you know, mm-hmm. I, I talked to my own team about this, where it's like, oh my god, they're not writing, they're not writing. I'm like, let them not write. Like it's well, they're probably thinking. And that's what I'm saying. Like if they really care about what they're writing if they care about their topics, if they care about what they're trying to do, then not writing is still writing. Like I think about, and I, I think you trust that the more you write yourself. I mean, you mm-hmm. know, you and I writing craft and draft and any other thing I've written, like sometimes you sit there for a while and you stare at it you and stare then, at it. and then yeah. it doesn't come. So you walk away and then eventually the idea comes to you hours later. Imagine being under a constraint of 45 minutes, hour and a half, 45-minute periods, going from period to period, and being asked every single day to come up with ideas. Like, it's such a weird situation that isn't conducive to the artistic process. It doesn't mean it can't happen, but we have to be patient um, 
especially for working with kids who are not used to having that process. And I, I think the, the, the way to develop that patience is to just write yourself and realize that, you know, just because you wrote for 15 minutes doesn't make it good. Just because you didn't write for an hour doesn't mean the next words you write aren't good. And that's, that's a trust that only comes from practice, but I don't know what, what's a capstone. What's a capstone thought we can hand to them on this one. Where, where do we send people off with feedback? How, how should they be looking at feedback? What should they take away from this conversation? Well, I mean, I kind of think that, um, first of all, you need to be intentional about making sure that you have moments in your classroom where you give feedback. I mean, you have to, you have to do that. You can give feedback in different ways. You can give feedback like I do, which is in a conference mainly. I talk to the students, but you can also do it through post-it notes and things like that. Um, you talked, you mentioned earlier about the red ink, but you can bleed in green as well, and it's not any more effective. So your feedback must be effective, and I think you can only do that like that girl where I, where she started writing and I started to take over and then I pulled back because I thought, oh my goodness, I'm about to write her piece for, I can't do that. So I had to reframe my question and say, well, where were you wanting to go with this? What do you want to say with it? What kind of, what part of the book were you even thinking about? You know? And so from there I said, okay, it sounds like to me, you got a good idea. Why don't you go write? Show me what you got. So she goes off for a little while. She comes back and she wowed me. I was really impressed with what she ended up coming up with. And believe me, it was not anything I had in my head. What she did was way better and more interesting. And so I think sometimes um, you want to make sure your feedback, what makes it effective is, does it inspire the student to to voice their own uh, unique um, way of saying their ideas? I don't really know how to say that, but if you inspire them to speak for themselves, maybe that's it. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, what do you is, think? This is what I think. I think you did it perfectly. This is the Crap the Drop podcast, ladies and gentlemen. If you enjoyed this episode, hit subscribe. We have episodes that come out every single Friday for your listening pleasure. We talk about reading, writing, workshop, and everything else. If you want to contact us, you can hit us on the Craft and Draft Facebook page. You can follow me and Teach Teacher Host on Instagram or any of those other places that you guys know where to find me at. DM us, put in a question. Sometimes we make whole episodes based on questions. So if you want a question answered, ask a good question. We'll make it happen. But everything else, ladies and gentlemen, know that we are here. Thank you.